chapter forty three of the ordeal of richard feverel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the ordeal of richard feverel by george meredith chapter forty three they heard at raynham that richard was coming lucy had the news first in a letter from ripton thompson who met him at bonn ripton did not say that he had employed his vacation and holiday on purpose to use his efforts to induce his dear friend to return to his wife and finding richard already on his way of course ripton said nothing to him but affected to be travelling for his pleasure like any cockney richard also wrote to her in case she should have gone to the sea he directed her to send word to his hotel that he might not lose an hour his letter was sedate in tone very sweet to her assisted by the faithful female barry she was conquering an aphorist woman's reason is in the milk of her breasts was one of his rough notes due to an observation of lucy's maternal cares let us remember therefore we men who have drunk of it largely there that she has it mrs berry zealously apprised him how early master richard's education had commenced and the great future historian he must consequently be this trade in lucy was of itself sufficient to win sir austin here my plan with richard was false he reflected in presuming that anything save blind fortuity would bring him such a mate as he should have he came to add and has got he could admit now that instinct had so far beaten science for as richard was coming as all were to be happy his wisdom embraced them all paternally as the author of their happiness between him and lucy a tender intimacy grew i told you she could talk sir said adrian she thinks said the baronet the delicate question how she was to treat her uncle he settled generously farmer blaze should come up to raynham when he would lucy must visit him at least three times a week he had farmer blaze and mrs berry to study and really excellent aphorisms sprang from the plain human bases this natural couple presented it will do us no harm he thought some of the honest blood of the soil in our veins and he was content in musing on the parentage of the little cradled boy a common sight for those who had the entry to the library was the baronet cherishing the hand of his daughter-in-law sir richard was crossing the sea and hearts at raynham were beating quicker measures as the minutes progressed that night he would be with them sir austin gave lucy a longer warmer salute when she came down to breakfast in the morning mrs berry waxed thrice amorous it's your second bridles ye sweet livin widow she said thanks be the lord it's the same man too and a baby over the bedpost she appended seriously strange barry declared it to be strange i feel none of this to my barry now all my feelings o love seem to have gone into you two sweet chicks in fact the faithless male barry complained of being treated badly and affected a superb jealousy of the baby but the good dame told him that if he suffered at all he suffered his due barry's position was decidedly uncomfortable it could not be concealed from the lower household that he had a wife in the establishment and for the complications this gave rise to his wife would not legitimately console him lucy did intercede 
but mrs berry was obdurate she averred she would not give up the child till he was weaned then perhaps she said prospectively you see i ain't so soft as you thought for you're a very unkind vindictive old woman said lucy belike i am mrs berry was proud to agree we like a new character now and then berry had delayed too long were it not notorious that the straight-laced prudish dare not listen to the natural chase certain things mrs berry thought it advisable to impart to the young wife with regard to berry's infidelity and the charity women should have towards sinful men might here be reproduced enough that she thought proper to broach the matter and cite her own christian sentiments now that she was indifferent in some degree oily calm is on the sea at raynham they look up at the sky and speculate that richard is approaching fairly speeded he comes to throw himself on his darling's mercy lucy irradiated over forest and sea tempest and peace to her the hero comes humbly great is that day when we see our folly ripton and he were the friends of old richard encouraged him to talk of the two he could be eloquent on and ripton whose secret vanity was in his powers of speech never tired of enumerating lucy's virtues and the peculiar attributes of the baby she did not say a word against me rip against you richard the moment she knew she was to be a mother she thought of nothing but her duty to the child she's one who can't think of herself you've seen her at raynham rip yes once they asked me down and your father's so fond of her i'm sure he thinks no woman like her and he's right she is so lovely and so good richard was too full of blame of himself to blame his father too british to expose his emotions ripton divined how deep and changed they were by his manner he had cast aside the hero and however ripton had obeyed him and looked up to him in the heroic time he loved him tenfold now he told his friend how much lucy's mere womanly sweetness and excellence had done for him and richard contrasted his own profitless extravagance with the patient beauty of his dear home angel he was not one to take her on the easy terms that offered there was that to do which made his cheek burn as he thought of it but he was going to do it even though it lost her to him just to see her and kneel to her was joy sufficient to sustain him and warm his blood in the prospect they marked the white cliffs growing over the water nearer the sun made them lustrous houses and people seemed to welcome the wild youth to common sense simplicity and home they were in town by midday richard had a momentary idea of not driving to his hotel for letters after a short debate he determined to go there the porter said he had two letters for mr richard feverell one had been waiting some time he went to the box and fetched them the first richard opened was from lucy and as he read it ripton observed the colour deepen on his face while a quivering smile played about his mouth he opened the other indifferently it began without any form of address richard's forehead darkened at the signature this letter was in a sloping feminine hand and flourished with light strokes all over like a field of the bearded barley thus it ran i know you are in a rage with me because i would not consent to ruin you you foolish fellow what do you call it going to that unpleasant place together thank you my milliner is not ready yet and i want to make a good appearance when i do go i suppose i shall have to some day your health sir richard now let me speak to you seriously go home to your wife at once but i know the sort of fellow you are and i must be plain with you did i ever say i loved you you may hate me as much as you please but i will save you from being a fool now listen to me you know my relations with mount 
that beast brader offered to pay all my debts and set me afloat if i would keep you in town i declare on my honour i had no idea why and i did not agree to it but you were such a handsome fellow i noticed you in the park before i heard a word of you but then you fought shy you were just as tempting as a girl you stung me do you know what that is i would make you care for me and we know how it ended without any intention of mine i swear i'd have cut off my hand rather than do you any harm upon my honour circumstances then i saw it was all up between us brader came and began to chaff about you i dealt the animal a stroke from the face with my riding whip i shut him up pretty quick you think i would let a man speak about you i was going to swear you see i remember dick's lessons oh my god i do feel unhappy brader offered me money go and think i took it if you like what do i care what anybody thinks something that blackguard said made me suspicious i went down to the isle of wight where mount was and your wife was just gone with an old lady who came and took her away i should so have liked to see her you said you remember she would take me as a sister and treat me i laughed at it then my god how i could cry now if water did any good to a devil as you politely call poor me i called at your house and saw your man-servant who said mount had just been there in a minute it struck me i was sure mount was after a woman but it never struck me that woman was your wife then i saw why they wanted me to keep you away i went to brader you know how i hate him i made love to the man to get it out of him richard my word of honour they have planned to carry her off if mount finds he cannot seduce her talk of devils he's one but he is not so bad as brader i cannot forgive a mean dog his villainy now after this i am quite sure you are too much of a man to stop away from her another moment i have no more to say i suppose we shall not see each other again so good-bye dick i fancy i hear you cursing me why can't you feel like other men on the subject but if you were like the rest of them i should not have cared for you a farthing i have not worn lilac since i saw you last i'll be buried in your colour dick that will not offend you will it you are not going to believe i took the money if i thought you thought that it makes me feel like a devil only to fancy you think it the first time you meet brader cane him publicly adieu say it's because you don't like his face i suppose devils must not say adieu here's plain old good-bye then between you and me good-bye dear dick you won't think that of me may i eat dry bread to the day of my death if i took or ever will touch a scrap of their money bella richard folded up the letter silently jump into the cab he said to ripton anything the matter richard no the driver received directions richard sat without speaking his friend knew that face he asked whether there was bad news in the letter for answer he had the lie circumstantial he ventured to remark that they were going the wrong way it did the right way cried richard and his jaws were hard and square and his eyes looked heavy and full ripton said no more but thought the cabman pulled up at a club a gentleman in whom ripton recognized the honourable peter brader was just then swinging a leg over his horse with one foot in the stirrup hearing his name called the honourable peter turned about and stretched an affable hand is mont falcon in town said richard taking the horse's reins instead of the gentlemanly hand his voice and aspect were quite friendly mount brader replied curiously watching the action yes he's off this evening he is in town richard released his horse i want to see him where is he the young man looked pleasant that which might have aroused brader's suspicions was an old affair in parasitical 
register by this time want to see him what about he said carelessly and gave the address by the way he sang out we thought of putting your name down beverell he indicated the lofty structure what do you say richard nodded back at him crying hurry brader returned the nod and those who promenaded the district soon beheld his body in elegant motion to the stepping of his well-earned horse what do you want to see lord mount falcon for richard said ripton i just want to see him richard replied ripton was left in the cab at the door of my lord's residence he had to wait there a space of about ten minutes when richard returned with a clearer visage though somewhat heated he stood outside the cab and ripton was conscious of being examined by those strong gray eyes as clear as speech he understood them to say to him you won't do but which of the many things on earth he would not do for he was at a loss to think go down to raynham ripton say i shall be there to-night certainly don't bother me with questions drive off at once or wait get another cab i'll take this ripton was ejected and found himself standing alone in the street as he was on the point of rushing after the galloping cab-horse to get a word of elucidation he heard some one speak behind him you are feverell's friend ripton had an eye for lords an ambrosial footman standing at the open door of lord mount falcon's house and a gentleman standing on the doorstep told him that he was addressed by that nobleman he was requested to step into the house when they were alone lord mount falcon slightly ruffled said feverell has insulted me grossly i must meet him of course it's a piece of infernal folly i suppose he is not quite mad ripton's only definite answer was a gasping iteration of my lord my lord resumed i am perfectly guiltless of offending him as far as i know in fact i had a friendship for him is he liable to fits of this sort of thing not yet at conversation point ripton stammered fits my lord ah went the other eyeing ripton in lordly cognizant style you know nothing of this business perhaps ripton said he did not have you any influence with him not much my lord only now and then a little you are not in the army the question was quite unnecessary ripton confessed to the law and my lord did not look surprised i will not detain you he said distantly bowing ripton gave him a commoner's obeisance but getting to the door the sense of the matter enlightened him it's a duel my lord no help for it if his friends don't shut him up in bedlam between this and to-morrow morning of all horrible things a duel was the worst in ripton's imagination he stood holding the handle of the door revolving this last chapter of calamity suddenly opened where happiness had promised a duel but he won't my lord he mustn't fight my lord he must come on the ground said my lord positively ripton ejaculated unintelligible stuff finally lord mount falcon said i went out of my way sir in speaking to you i saw you from the window your friend is mad deuced methodical i admit but mad i have particular reasons to wish not to injure the young man and if an apology is to be got out of him when we're on the ground i'll take it and we'll stop the damned scandal if possible you understand i'm the insulted party and i shall only require of him to use formal words of excuse to come to an amicable settlement let him just say he regrets it now sir the nobleman spoke with considerable earnestness should anything happen i have the honour to be known to mrs feverell and i beg you will tell her i very particularly desire you to let her know that i was not to blame montfalcon rang the bell and bowed him out with this on his mind ripton hurried down to those who were waiting in joyful trust at raynham End of chapter forty three